Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll check them out at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a great guest for today's show, including Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus for the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll talk about Nazis and what they have in common with every other collectivist regime in the 20th century. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder uh, thrillers, uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. It is August the 9th, and on this day in 1974, in accordance with the statement of resignation the previous evening, Richard Milhouse Nixon officially ended his term as the 37th President of the United States at noon on August the 9th. It's 1974. Before departing with his family in a helicopter from the White House, he smiled farewell and enigmatically raised his arms in a victory of peace salute. The helicopter door was then closed, and Nixon began, and his family began the journey home to San Clemente, California, which is where the first president of the United States to resign from office. Minutes later, Vice President Gerald R. Ford was sworn in as the 38th president of the United States in the East Room of the White House. After taking the oath of office, President Ford spoke to the nation in a television address declaring, My fellow Americans, our long nightmare is, national nightmare is over. Ford is the first president who came to office through appointment rather than election, had replaced Spiro Agnew as vice president only eight months before in a political scandal independent of the Nixon administration's wrongdoing in the uh, Watergate affair. Agnew had been forced to resign in disgrace after he was charged with income tax evasion and political corruption. In September 1974, uh, Ford pardoned Nixon for any crimes he may have committed while in office, explaining that he wanted to end the national divisions created by the Watergate scandal. What days those were. Well, Bobby Bowden, the folksy Hall of Fame coach who built the Florida State into uh, an unprecedented college football dynasty, died. He was 91 years of age. Bobby's son, Terry, confirmed to the Associated Press that his father died at home in Tallahassee, surrounded by family early Sunday morning. It was truly peaceful, Terry Bowden said in a text. Bobby Bowden announced on July 21st he had terminal illness. It was pancreatic cancer. He said, I've always tried to serve God's purpose for my life, and on and off the field, I am prepared for what is to come. Bowden, of course, a devout Christian, said at the time, My wife Anne and our family have been life's greatest blessing. I am at peace, he said. Bowden was beloved by the Seminole fans, respected by his peers, and throughout his life, one of the most successful stars in college football. His home number was listed in the Tallahassee phone book for years. With Southern Charm and Wit, Bowden piled up 377 wins during his 40 years as a major college football coach from Tiny Samford, his alma mater then known as Howard College, to West Virginia and finally at Florida State where he won, went 315-98 and four ties. The Seminoles were a force during his 34 seasons as coach, winning 12 Athletic Coast Conference championships and national titles in 93 and 99. Florida State has been unmatched in its run of 14 consecutive seasons, finished ranked in the top five of the Associated Press and College Football Poll under Bowden. Amazing life, amazing guy, and uh, great character. Really admired him. A federal judge Sunday uh, sided with Norwegian cruise lines holding a constitutional challenge to Florida's ban on so-called vaccine passports, clearing the way for the company to require passengers to show documentation they have been vaccinated against COVID-19. U.S. District Judge Kathleen Williams issued a 59-page ruling that granted a preliminary injunction against a law that was a priority of Governor Ron DeSantis. The law blocked businesses from requiring vaccine passports, though Williams' injunction applies only to Norwegian. The cruise line has issued a news release on Sunday that said it will run, uh, ruling will allow it to operate in the safest way possible with 100% vaccination of all guests, guests and crews while sailing from Florida ports. 
after being sidelined in March 2020 because of the pandemic, Norwegian plans to return to cruising from Miami on August the 15th. We're pleased that Judge Williams saw the facts, the law, and science, as did the, and we did, and granted the company's motion for a preliminary injunction, allowing us to operate cruises from Florida with 100% vaccinated guests and crew. That, according to Daniel Farkas, the executive vice president, general counsel of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. He said in a prepared statement, I'm sure this is all going to be challenged. Just think about it. But <clears throat> here's, you know, how, how effective are these vaccines? Anyhow, Israel struggles with a new surge of coronavirus cases. And Health Ministry reported on Thursday that although effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine remains high against severe illness, its protection against infection by coronavirus may have diminished significantly compared this winter and early spring. Analyzing the government's national health statistics, researchers estimated that Pfizer's shot was about 39% effective against preventing infection in the country in late June and early July, compared to 95% from January through April. In both time periods, however, the shot was more than 90% effective in preventing severe illness. Israeli scientists cautioned that the new study is much smaller than the first, and therefore it may not be uh, totally, totally uh, certain and uh, reliable irrespective a lot of folks that uh, have the vaccine are now getting covid amazing so uh, back to norwegian cruise line it may not make a difference anyhow whether they're vaccinated or not well party footage from former vice uh, president barack obama's 60th birthday bash at his 12 million dollar state martha's Vineyard showed hundreds of maskless guests as a celebration on saturday night I think kind of demonstrating how much respect he has for the CDC and uh, their requirements. Last week, a spokeswoman for the former president said the Obamas had decided to significantly scale back the event to include only family and close friends. Well, Barack Obama has a lot of close friends because there are hundreds of folks there that showed up. While Americans are being told to keep their events small, wear a mask with two or more layers, and stand at least six feet apart from each other, the former president was caught on video dancing maskless among hundreds of also maskless party guests. Unbelievable. It is for thee, but not for me, huh? The political elite. The White House said Friday that officials were not concerned about the psychological effects of forcing children to wear masks in school to prevent the spread of coronavirus. When asked by a reporter if there were any concerns from President Joe Biden's administration about forcing children to wear masks in school all day, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, replied, No, there's not. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has opposed mask mandates, making the argument against them in a statement from his office, and here it is. Government, uh, Governor DeSantis believes the parents know what's best for their children. Therefore, parents in Florida are empowered to make their own choices with regard to masking. Experts have raised legitimate concerns about the risks of masking outweighing the potential benefits for children because masking children can negatively impact their learning, speech, emotion, emotional and social development, and physical health. Infections from bacteria that often are found in masks, difficulty breathing while exercising in masks, etc. Fortunately, the data indicate that COVID is not a serious risk to healthy children, which is why schools in most counties and countries uh, were the, uh, among the first institutions to reopen. At the end of the day, the governor trusts parents to weigh the risks and benefits and make the best choices for the kids. But Pisaki said the mass mandates for schools were essential to keeping schools open. Kids need to be in school, she said. We know there's a, a mental health impact from them, but not for not being in school. She also personally criticized DeSantis for opposing mask mandates in Florida, despite advice from the Centers for Disease Control. She said, I want public health officials to make decisions about how to keep my kids safe, not politicians, she said. Well, he's not. it's not a dichotomy here. He's basically saying it's parents that will know best. And so uh, that's the way <clears throat> DeSantis wants it, and I think it's a great decision. CDC's been all over the place. Not sure we can trust these folks with what they're saying. Well, the Department of Labor reported Friday that there are some 8.7 million potential workers who have been looking for jobs and are counted among the unemployed. At the same time, job placement site Indeed uh, estimates there are about 9.8 million job vacancies as of July 16th, or just a few days after the government sample period for the monthly numbers. 
companies, uh, companies have been using a variety of techniques, including signing bonuses, hiring salaries, uh, flexible work arrangements to entice people. That's likely will, will have to continue as COVID pandemic changes the job market, perhaps permanently. Still, there's a lot more work to be done, as there's still 6.1 million fewer Americans working now than in February 2020, just before the pandemic hit. One important factor looming ahead is the September expiration of the enhanced unemployment benefits. Indeed reports that in the past months, many workers have refrained from taking jobs they didn't want because they had enough financial cushion to wait. Even with concerns about the virus, the need to get back to work will start to grow. So what this demonstrates is this $300 extra per week is hurting the economy and hurting employment in the United States. It's a shame. The Subway Show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. Uh, visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com, and give them a call. Life in Ma- Naples magazine also brings you the show. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harton, the host of the Bob Harton Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shop Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app from choicesocial.us, the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schultz. Mark is an author. He's written several books mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So we'll talk about current global events, and as we have for about the last 10 months, we'll start off by talking about what's happening with COVID. Yeah, so worldwide, things are not looking great. Um, We've seen, you know, Delta seems to be, unfortunately, working way too well. Um, we've seen a, a leveling off in the UK. Um, other parts of the world, though, things have been getting worse, including parts of Asia where things have been good. Uh, here in Israel, things have been getting worse very quickly, which is 
situation where most of the population, overwhelming population, has been vaccinated, but they've now started booster shots because the vaccine seems to uh, wear off after five to six months and not quite as effective. Also seeing vaccinated people being hospitalized, but at about half the rate as people um, previously. In other words, uh, not, you know, unvaccinated being who, who get the Delta are getting hospitalized very, very at high rates. But, but compared to the Alpha, the people who have been vaccinated are getting hospitalized at half the rate um, than, than previously. So the vaccine is working, but not as well as people would have hoped. And the disease right now is winning in the whole world at this point. Yeah. I, you know, what about therapeutics? We don't seem to be promoting therapeutics at all, but... Uh... Well, there, there are no therapeutics on the market yet. There was actually, there is actually a drug that's been produced here in Israel that's in phase three now. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be very effective. It worked in 93% of the cases in phase two. But it'll take a few more months uh, to move it to phase three. It actually uh, fights something very specific that happens to the lungs when you get covid I'm actually about to start a little campaign to trigger to try to figure out how we can move phase three faster because it seems to me that if there is a cure and it seems to be a cure that we shouldn't have to wait from August to December in order to to complete phase three trials. I mean, so here we had an emergency. We had bypassed a lot of the testing because it declared a health emergency. I guess Israel's a different company. Can't the same country, but can't the same. Well, thing even the United States, they didn't. They did the, the testing um, in parallel. They didn't sort of bypass the test. In other words, the tests on the vaccines were were full tests in the sense that they did full clinical trials and they waited until they had enough cases and everything else like that. Um, but they didn't wait the normal couple of years to see what happens. Here, they're just trying to do the clinical trials. I think they're trying to give to 189 people. Two thirds of them the, the the drug and one third of them a placebo, which is the way you're supposed to do it under normal situations. But this isn't a normal situation. Yeah. So, and the FDA is less is less happy about approving drugs from overseas. So they're trying to be extra careful to make sure that the FDA approves it if it's proven effective. But on the other hand, you know, if, if this actually works, it it would save thousands of lives. So, Mark, uh, another interesting thing, which, of course, creates doubt in my mind, and I don't know about yours, but uh, the CDC said that the PCR test, which is the gold standard for so long uh, for testing for COVID, is uh, apparently found to be ineffective, and they're going to replace it and have it not be used after the first of the year. Now, while they're waiting till after the first of the year, I have no idea, but how many cases have been diagnosed as positive for COVID with, that may not have actually been the case? I think the, the, the concern is the other way, frankly. Not that the piece, not they were positive, but the cases that were false, false, false negatives, people who actually have it who've been, who've been diagnosed not having it. And my guess is, and I don't know all the details, the reason they have to wait is someone has to produce the alternative tests and have them ready. Don't forget, we have a complete system in place that tests for PCR and labs and everything else, and changing to another test is not something that's able to be done overnight. But I don't think the concern is of false, of false positives. I think it's false negatives that the concern exists. Well, uh, I read it the other so, way, but uh, it, it basically the guy that invented this uh, this test has said that it doesn't test for any disease, really, so it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we'll just leave that one up in the air because I'm not exactly sure, and uh, perhaps you aren't either. But uh, nevertheless, a lot of doubt around this this whole thing. So, and then, and of course, in in other parts of the world, like in in uh, France, people are very upset about what's going on. Past people, listen, everyone's upset. You know, therein lies the problem. No, no one wants to deal with this, <clears throat> and no one wants restrictions on their lives. And here in Israel, they put no restrictions, basically, um, and that's why we're about to hit one of the highest levels in the world because there are no, no restrictions. But the reality is, forget what the government does in terms of restrictions. People need to, people need to be smart. Yes. And being smart means not having events with hundreds of people indoors. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, that, that, that's what it amounts to. I mean, uh, you want to see friends, go see them outside, especially when we're not exactly in the middle. I mean, Florida, I'm sure it's very hot, and it's hot here in Tel Aviv, but still, it's not the middle of the winter, it's not raining, it's not snowing, you know, 
You want to meet friends? Meet them outside. You want to have a cup of coffee? Go have it outside in an outdoor cafe. You know, make the smart choices. Absolutely. Mark, I I couldn't be... uh, I'm in violent agreement with what you're saying because each of us can make our own decisions based on uh, our health and uh, our situation, but uh, always take care. You always want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in harm's way. You can't be cavalier. Right, you can't be cavalier, and you have to understand there is a deadly virus circulating. We can argue about the exact numbers and the exact people, but the fact of the matter is this thing kills. It's killed lots of people. Yeah. And you can talk about whether it's the numbers have been exaggerated slightly or they've been undercounted, and you can get arguments either way, but there's no question there are a lot of people who are dead who, who wouldn't have been dead if there wasn't this virus. Absolutely. So one needs to be careful. One needs to do whatever one can. And one also needs to do one's part in terms of the society at all. We're not, we all may be rugged individualists, but we as a, as a group represent societies all over the world, and societies impact one another. It's true, Mark. And uh, right now, these, I think the, the big issue is the vaccine passport or the va- vaccine proof. Uh, and a lot of people are just upset by, hey, this is my privacy, this is my life. The, the state can't start taking... Right, but we've always had that. We had, we had smallpox... You had, a, you had a show proof of, of, of a vaccine as a smallpox. Public health has been something that never was in question in almost all any part of the world in terms of this, my personal, my personal being is my personal being. Well, that's true, except when it has to do with public health. And, you know, I mean, the things you're not allowed to do because it's, it impacts public health. You know, you can't have an open, open sewer on your own property because it impacts public health. Right. So, you know, you can draw the line. We can argue where the line should be. Right. And that's interesting arguments, etc. But the basic idea that uh, one has a responsibility beyond oneself when it comes to issues of public health, I think is, is clear. In other words, there are, there are limited things that governments, you know, those are, uh, let me rephrase that. Those who believe in limited government uh, believe that limit, the government should only do a limited number of things. One of them is national defense, obviously, provide safe, you know, against foreign enemies and also uh, safe streets. But part of safe, safe streets is, is safety and health. Uh-huh. And there's some things that individuals can't do. And, uh, you know, one of those things has to do with, with public health. Not, not our own personal health, but the public health of things that affect us as a society, affect us as a, as a group of people who live together in a town, a village, a city, a state, a country. Well, uh, provide us the information, I think, is the key thing. Provide us good information and uh, let us make our own decisions. That's, that's what I think the role should be. So, Mark, let's move to what's happening around the world uh, besides COVID. Uh, let's start with Afghanistan. Yep. I mean, we've been discussing this for, for weeks. The situation, is, of course, is going to get worse and worse. Three provincial capitals have fallen already. Um, it's, you know, unlikely we're going to see... Um, the Taliban stop at any point. Uh, they never wanted a negotiated peace. They just wanted to. Um, they just wanted to win. Yep. And if the United States thought they were negotiating with somebody, they were they were wrong in the same way the United States was negotiating with the North Vietnamese. We were looking for a way out. Here we were looking for a way out. Whether it was President Trump or President Biden, they've had the same policy. And their policy probably represents the will of the American people, but. You know, let's get ready to see more and more people being slaughtered by animals, which the Taliban are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, let, let's accept that that if we do not want to fight people like that in the world, they will win in certain parts of the world. Will they, will they um, affect America itself? Will they affect um, the rest of civilization? Interesting question, interesting risk, but let's understand for the people of, of, of Afghanistan, we're going to be, they're going to be entering into a very dark period and lots of them are going to be killed. Yep. And yep. let's, you know, I don't know if we say we, let's accept that, but let's understand that. Along with and other social, kind of, social and cultural mm-hmm. problems, like, for example, right. the treatment of women and uh, children. All or, those things. Yeah. Those are all the consequences <clears throat> of our decisions. Now, does that mean we should keep 5,000, 10,000 troops in Afghanistan forever? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but no one really forced the American people to make that decision. They, you know, like I said, both President Trump and President Biden have been following more or less the same policy. And that would be the inevitable result. 
I will say this, Mark. I mean, it actually is on the Afghan people. It's not necessarily on the United States. I mean, they have the capacity and ability to fight back against this these atrocities, and they 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 have to make their own. They have their own culture, first of all. So, uh, different. Right, but you know, you can say that. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that. 60% of the good fighters or 70% of the good fighters are with the Taliban and only 30 or 40% are with the, with the non-Afghans, with the non-Taliban. They're going to lose. Yeah. They may have the ability to fight, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win that fight. That's right. Well, so, same it's, thing. It's on, their, it's on them. Yeah, on some levels it's on them, but, you know, is it on the women who are about to be raped? Is it on the women who are about to be put back into their holes and not allowed to, to study or work or anything else? Is it their fault that they weren't able to fight the Taliban? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. No, a great point. But nevertheless, uh, there is also this whole issue about whose problem is it? It's the Afghan people. They have to decide what kind of a government they want to have and what how they want to live. And uh, look, this is uh, this problem is centuries old, centuries old. And uh, No, there's no question about it. But the, but the question becomes, and it remains, let's just say that Forty percent, or even fifty percent of the Afghan people want to live in a modern Western democracy, but seventy percent of the people holding arms happen to be Taliban. Yeah. Then they're going to lose. Yeah. And it doesn't make a difference what they want. And the question is again: if we had never gone into Afghanistan, I would say, well, you know, we never went into Afghanistan. It never was our problem, and never shall be our problem. Yeah. But once we got involved there, and once we showed an alternative way, and once we for, for, for 20 years have allowed women to be equals and be educated and everything else. Again, I don't have the answer, and as we've been discussing for months, I don't have a good solution, right. but we should understand the price. Absolutely. So let's move to Greece. Greece, we're talking about fires that are at this point threatening Athens. Yeah. Um, the amount of fires that are taking place in the world, and of course that ties into the UN report, but uh, fires in places that have not seen these type of fires before. And um, thousands of volunteers have come from from Turkey, which is not a great friend, from Russia, from Israel, from parts of the EU, to try to fight this fire. And it's certainly, it's in, it's it's hurt. Um, many of the suburbs of, of Athens have already been hit, and it's very, very serious. There have been serious fires also in Turkey as well. We have a very, very hot, very, very dry uh, summer in, in the Mediterranean basin. Uh, Lebanon has also seen a series of fires. Israel a little less so, but have had some fires. Um, and then, of course, we have all the fires that are taking place in, in the western U.S. at the same time. So, um, very unusual fire situation. And it's a situation, of course, that um, makes all the concerns about global warming worse because it in and of itself um, releases a tremendous amount of carbon into the air, etc. Absolutely. So, uh, the climate, uh, you had put down... Well, the UN committee, or it's, it's, a, it's actually not a committee, it's a separate organization that was set up by the United Nations that aggregates all of the studies being done in the world. In other words, they don't do their own studies, they aggregate everything that's been, been done, and at, they came out with a report this morning that basically says it's too late to stop an increase to 1.5 uh, degrees Celsius. That number is going to be reached and is moving faster than we thought. Um, and the concern is, can we stop it from getting to, to two? Um, and the result has been and will be uh, much more catastrophic heat waves. Um, what's usually once in a century heat wave is now happening once every 10 years, once every five years. And the concern now is of a, a tipping point yeah. um, where suddenly... Uh, you have things like the um, the Greenland ice shelf suddenly collapses, and which will immediately bring a, a considerable rise in sea level and turn most of Florida into a, a swamp, um, or other events that could could suddenly tip. And that's very much the concern that that um, because we haven't done anything really seriously in the last 20 years um, at this rate, it's too late to make huge changes. I mean, I'm one of these people who believes that it, it probably is too late generally and that we need to start thinking about ways of mitigating the, the, the heat as opposed to uh, stopping the, the carbon emissions, which in and of itself may be good, but 
in my opinion, it's probably too late. So is this a UN uh, report from the International Panel for Climate Control, IPCC? Yes. It's a um, international. It's a. It's an international group that was set up by the United Nations, whose only job it is to yeah. uh, report on all the reports. Let's put, let's put it that way. They, have, they don't have any active role. IPCC, but it, that that is the uh, the organ. If it's the same organization, that's uh, uh, well, they've got some warts and pimples. Anyhow, uh, for example, writing praises and and summaries of uh, articles that are actually false and antithetical to what the purpose of the article is. Um, I don't know. Listen, I think uh, I've never understood how this issue became a political issue. Um, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I've never understood how that happened. Yeah. Um, IPCC. It's, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I have not, not understood it. Um, which, by the way, I appreciate about your point of view, which is basically, look, we have to, we're dealing with, we're dealing with a, a problem that, that we have here. The, for example, the fires in, in California, it's only 23% con contained, I believe, and it's the largest fire in the history of California. So things are going on that's a little weird what's happening. So your point is, hey, we have to make sure that we have protections against these types of events, irrespective of the cause. Right. Look, one can argue all one wants <laughs> about whether or not humans are responsible for for the heating of the earth. I, I think uh, overwhelmingly people say that scientists all believe it is human activity, but let's put that let's put that on a, on a side for the moment. Yeah. The fact of the moment fact of the matter is that over the last 4 years have been the four hottest years in in recorded human history and we've had heat events like like the California wildfires which not only the fact is the largest um, in California history it's also the earliest Mm -hmm. for large fires. Most large fires usually take place starting at the end of August, beginning of September. Um, and then you have the fires, like we just mentioned in Greece and Turkey. You have fires now in Siberia. You have uh, you had 100-degree days in Siberia, 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, yeah. where the permafrost is, is melting. Uh, you suddenly have the uh, Arctic Ocean becoming navigable because there isn't that much ice. Um, so you have all of these changes. Now, one can argue all one wants how much, you know, how much is human beings responsible for it or not, but it's irrelevant on some levels because the fact of the matter is this is the, this is the state of the state of the earth at the moment. Yeah. And if um, if it continues, and if sea levels continue to rise, then you're going to have a problem with most of the state you live in. I won't mention all the other places that you're going to have problems. If you continue to have fires. Not only are the fires themselves, unfortunately, um, consuming people, uh, consuming people's homes and everything else like that, they're also spewing a tremendous amount of pollution into the air all over the world. Yeah. Um, and so these are real-world consequences of what's happening. And I think we need to start figuring out, you know, can we do anything? Is it possible to do anything? I mean, a lot of environmentalists are opposed to that because they say, you know, the laws of unintended consequences. Right. Um, but on the other hand, we know what the consequences are going to be if we do nothing. Absolutely. And the ability, quite honestly, uh, to reach zero emissions, whether you think that's good or bad, I think is, as a, as a world, I think is, if we ever reach that, it'll be way too late. So we need to be start, starting to think in other, in other ways. Yeah. Okay, Mark, before I let you go, uh, any uh, thoughts on Le what's going on in Lebanon? Lebanon's falling apart. Lebanon started falling apart, you know, a couple of years ago. But at this point, there is no real government. The country is bankrupt. The people, um, they've, they've seen their money devalued to the point where it's not worth anything. They're having a hard time feeding themselves. And I'm talking about the middle class people. I'm not even talking about refugees or anything else. Um, you have Hezbollah, which is an army in and of itself, which is being funded by Iran. The Lebanese army, which... Uh, the pay in the Lebanese army is now $50 a month in, in real terms. Wow. Not exactly an amount of money that's going to get you to to um, dedicate your life. Um, it's been a year since the devastating explosion in, in the port of Beirut, and nothing has, nothing has happened. No one was held responsible for that. Um, and so you have, a, you have a state that was once uh, the queen of the Mediterranean and now has fallen completely apart. Yeah. And it's inter it's what's sad and interesting is that it never felt 
apartheid extent it did 30 years ago when there was a civil war. Mm-hmm. During the civil war, the sides managed to maintain the civil society and hold the country together despite fighting with each other. Now there is no civil war. There's no fighting between factions, and the country is falling falling to pieces. Yeah, the real question I have is: uh, Is this uh, symptomatic of what might be happening in the Middle East and uh, has the firing on Israel? We've got so much to talk about, so little time to do it, Mark. But I genuinely, uh, my, my general sense is that it's symptomatic, but not to a very large extent. Only in the sense that Lebanon has had problems with government for for quite a number of years. Going back to the problem of the Civil War, they never resolved that issue, yeah. and they've had a very difficult time, and, and that's just made it much, much worse. Yeah. But yes, look, there's no, look at Syria right now. I mean, it's a total collapse that exists on paper, but doesn't really exist. Yeah. So, Mark, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here, here on the show. Again, HistoryCentral.com for our listeners. Check it out. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a us. great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for uh, economic education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Uh, your listeners can learn a lot more about us by visiting our website, which is fee, dot org. Uh, there they will see daily commentary posted uh, that attracts something like um, uh, a million or more unique visitors each month. And uh, we do educational work for high school and college students primarily, and uh, we educate them so that they appreciate and understand the workings of the free market, a free enterprise, uh, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we do that in in-person events, online videos, 
in other activities uh, all over the world. Yeah, great organization. I've had the opportunity to attend the national conferences for the Foundation for Economic Education, and they are superlative. I just encourage, if you have somebody in your life that's high school or college age, please encourage them to get familiar with the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, Larry, you uh, fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, you wrote a great column. What's the no- uh, what the Nazis have in common with every other collectivist regime in the 20th century, and we've got evidence of it right here and right now. Maybe you could tell us about it. Okay. Yeah, it's disturbing to me, Bob, that uh, there are uh, large numbers of people who, uh, and, and most are very well-meaning, uh, who think that uh, Adolf Hitler was in some way uh, a practitioner of capitalism, uh, and some even think that he was a Christian. Uh, those are views that uh, are not difficult to find, and yet nothing could be further from the truth on either score. Uh, when it comes to the matter of uh, his religious sympathies, uh, he knew how to play the game. Germany was a strongly Lutheran country, He couldn't come right out of the gate uh, persecuting the church, Uh, but he did so increasingly as the years went by, and it's apparent from uh, things that he wrote, things that he said, that his intention all along was to suppress the church. Uh, uh, He was not uh, Christian at all. In fact, it's it's almost preposterous that we even have to deal with such an argument, because As the Bible itself says, you uh, can judge people by uh, the fruit that they bear. And you look at what uh, the outcome of Hitler in power was. It was genocide, warfare, state control, mass misery. I mean, none of that has anything to do with the teachings of Christ. And, of course, when it came to the German economy... Uh, it wasn't a free enterprise or capitalist economy. It was a socialist one, and that very word appears in the very name of the Nazi party that he created. Mm. Uh, just such great points. just reminds me that Dietrich Bonhoeffer played a role in the attempt to assassinate uh, Hitler. Yes. And he saw, of course, a great Christian, uh, he saw uh, Hitler as pure evil. So uh, he was evil indeed. And, and uh, of course, this is similar to other uh, dictators throughout the history of uh, the 20th century. Yeah, you look at the uh, greatest mass murderers among dictators in <clears throat> world history, and they are almost to a person. I can't think of any major exception. They are not Christian, but they are uh, rabid atheists. Uh, people like Mao Zedong in China, mm-hmm. uh, Stalin in Russia, Lenin in Russia, Pol Pot in Cambodia. I mean, these are guys who believed that if there was a God, they were it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Castro, another example right here close, yeah. to, close to Florida. Mussolini, uh, to just name a few others. And, of course, what they have in common is, number one, death. Number two, uh, t- destruction of uh, li- human liberty and freedom for the people that they, that they govern. That's right. They were out for power, and uh, they would do anything to secure it and to keep it. And uh, how anybody could think that that's uh, in accord with the teachings of uh, Jesus Christ is beyond me. But I think there are some people who have an agenda, uh, and so they cherry-pick the evidence and, uh, uh, and try to make a case. But in this case, it's just unsustainable to suggest that Hitler was either a Christian or a capitalist. I know. And, of course, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing evidence that we're... Uh, People are trying to consolidate power here in the United States and trying to uh, reduce the voice of uh, the individual and uh, attempting to convert us into, I'm going to call it, communist or or socialist state. Yeah, and uh, I see it every day. And uh, the woke uh, cancel culture uh, comes out of the the left. The left is not only trying to uh, take your property, but even take your vocabulary. They redefine words to... uh, make uh, their side look uh, more appealing. Uh, But in the end, they are almost always trying to suppress uh, differing views, uh, and uh, they will steal elections, they will lie, they will cheat. Uh, The worst of them will do any of those things in order to attain and to keep power. And that's that's one of the reasons why uh, Americans traditionally have always wanted to limit and disperse power, properly so because the concentration of power is the single greatest threat 
to individual liberty as well as economic prosperity in the history of the world. Absolutely. Right now, can you imagine even 10 years ago that somehow, some way, the federal government would, in a sense, in a way, confiscate property? I'm talking about homes or, or rental property that, uh, and telling people they can't collect rent. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, I think the uh, schools, unfortunately, have done an awful lot to perpetuate uh, uh, the, the ideas behind some of this. I posted on my Facebook page a comment about the eviction moratorium that uh, President Biden just imposed. And uh, somebody, uh, a commenter, very, uh, I'm sure, meant well, but in her comments she said that what's so unconstitutional about this? It's helping people pay their rent. In other words, <laughs> in her view, the Constitution means, uh, you know, whatever a politician wants to do to help somebody, even if it comes at somebody else's expense. I mean, that's, that betrays a, a complete lack of understanding of what the whole purpose of a Constitution is. Absolutely. And, of course, the uh, Supreme Court just said that it is unconstitutional and unlawful for it to happen. And uh, the Biden administration said, well, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From my understanding of Roman history, there are endless examples in, in that history of where uh, constitutional norms were compromised and degraded. Uh, and each time it was, you know, because somebody thought, well, you know, who cares about the Constitution? Uh, we need to do this instead. And before you knew it, uh, they didn't have one anymore. They had tyrants. Yeah. Unbelievable. Larry Reed again, the President Emeritus, the Foundation for Economic Education. I encourage you to check out the website, feefee.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mystery thrillers, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and uh, author of a couple of great murder mysteries, Shake, uh, Follow the Leader, and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure, Bob. 
Thank you, Jim. So, uh, so uh, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, just reflect on the first 200 days, seven months of uh, Joe Biden's presidency. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, and, and let me uh, advise your listeners. I consider myself a Reaganite. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't a Trump fan. Uh, I'm definitely not a uh, fan of uh, the left wing. And uh, I think uh, Biden has been uh, perfectly ineffective. I, I, I love him. I think that's why his approval rating hovers at 50%, uh, boosted, by the way, by independents, while other polls by, uh, like, Allop and other polling organizations on the direction of the company, or the, not the company, the country, show that the public thinks is, is is very pessimistic. Thinks the country is headed in the wrong uh, direction. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think uh, I don't know if it's by um, design or ineptitude or or you know it's the, the uh, Republicans on the Hill working at this, but they've they've presented they prevented the worst of the Democrats, the, the left wing loonies, from really ramming. For trying to ram a uh, expensive social engineering uh, project down the uh, throat of Congress. So, um, well, from you from know, your I, uh, from I, I your lips to kudos, go. Kudos to uh, Biden on that. Uh, so, has, so let, just to repeat, because it was a little unclear when you're speaking. So, you're saying that uh, you you feel like it's been successful because he's been ineffective for the first 200 days. Uh, yes. Okay. He's uh, for there has been no left-wing uh, social engineering program uh, rammed down the throat of Congress. Now, that may change somewhat with this infrastructure bill, yeah. this uh, $1.3 trillion infrastructure bill, uh, which in which the president has decided that electric vehicles are the way forward. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Uh, Here's a man with limited mental capacity. He's demonstrated this on multiple occasions, uh, picking a technology for a future. And, 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 you know, we can't predict the future. We can't tell you what the stock market will do today, let alone uh, what the economy will do over uh, the next uh, 30 years. Right. So, so um, uh, I think there's some corruption behind this whole electric vehicle push uh, a lot of the left is heavily invested in green energy um, hedge funds. Right. I mean, Al Gore has a huge green energy hedge fund. I think it's called Generation. Uh, John Kerry, who is uh, Biden's ambassador for the environment, he was involved with a hedge fund called Rise, which is a uh, you know a green energy hedge fund. So these people have a vested interest in promoting electric vehicles, uh, whether or not it makes sound economics sense. Uh, what makes sense, if you're a Reaganite, the less government, the better. If you don't want carbon, you tax it, and then you let the private sector puzzle out a solution to a uh, carbon-free transportation future. You don't let, you don't have the president dictate uh, mm-hmm. You know what kind of car you're going to drive. It's 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 just inefficient. It uh, represses innovation, and it's doomed for a very very expensive failure. I couldn't agree more. It, it, the uh, you know uh, quite frankly, uh, electric cars could end up on the the Edsel uh, dust <laughs> heap of the of the past. So uh, you know there are some very uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, the range of the, of the automobile is uh, is uh, not great. It takes a while to refuel. Uh, refueling stations are not readily available, and yet this is what uh, I think the the uh, this this uh, infrastructure program is going to invest, as I understand it, in hundreds of these new refueling stations for uh, for electric cars. Uh, yeah, it 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 it, co- it would cost an amazing amount of federal government investment to boost a specific industry, which, as I said, has stakeholders uh, heavily in the Democratic Party. Uh, I remember Boone Pickens, the Texas oil man. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, was, he was trying to get the government to pay for hydrogen fueling stations across the United States. 
And the reaction was, hey, Boone Pickens, you're a billionaire. Why don't you build them yourself? Why have the federal government boost the, a hydrogen future? You know, uh, and Democrats were among the loudest critics. So uh, here they are. They're, they're really stealing a page from uh, Boone Pickens to, uh, you know, have their portfolios padded with uh, huge investments from the uh, federal government. Yeah. Um, so now uh, the, uh, the other central planning thing, he, you know, Biden has central planning tendencies. Uh, the whole vaccine passport and forced vaccines doesn't make any sense at all. For example, uh, Dr. Fauci claims that we may all need booster shots soon. I've had my vaccines. I ran out. I was happy to get it, uh, realizing there were risks. But, at, you know, at age uh, 72, I figured uh, the vaccine uh, was... Uh, more beneficial to me than the risk. But, mm-hmm. but having said that, I, I appreciate arguments on the other side for people who don't want to get the vaccine. But the passport makes no sense because of the Delta. I mean, if we all need booster shots, what good's a passport? It's no good at all, number one. Uh, number two, if you start dictating and saying everybody has to get a vaccine, that is a very slippery moral slope. And I'll, I'll I'll jump to an extreme example, which may not be that extreme. Uh, everybody who uh, has a debilitating disease uh, when they're in their 80s and 90s has to undergo assisted suicide. I mean, you know, that's uh, you're opening the door to those types of government policies. So uh, I stand four square behind the people uh, who don't want uh, the government to force them to get vaccines. Well, uh, that, and I, for that reason, that's one of the reasons why I don't like the income tax. I mean, there's other ways. Certainly, we need money to run the government, but they have all of our personal information about income, uh, all kinds of personal income. They don't need, the less they know about each and every individual, the better it is. We have local law enforcement to take care of problems of internal predators. So, uh, to me, it's just one more step closer to, for example, these social... Uh, passports, you know, rating individuals based on the, their citizenship and so forth to determine what kinds of rights they're going to have. Uh, that's what they do in China, and that's what they, you know, quite frankly, that the vaccine passport would be the first step in that direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, my solution, again, would be um, make people pay a price for hospitalization under COVID. Um, you know, if it's for free, people are, are, are more inclined to take a risk and, and people have an exalted view of the uh, abilities of our uh, doctors. So they think, you know, they'll go in the hospital and they'll come out cured uh, as opposed to dead, uh, which we know is not always the case. Uh, but if, say, somebody, say you had to pay a nominal fee for a week in the hospital, you know, five grand, ten grand, I think suddenly the... Um, People's view of the vaccine is, is going to be altered. So why why should it why should it be that way for every disease and for every malady? We should have some right. skin in the game, and uh, people we would uh, take better care of our care, uh, of our health as a as a consequence. Quite frankly, so uh, you're right. There, we should all have skin in the game. It should encourage us to shop, you know, and. Uh, uh, but the uh, right now, the the way this is set up, it's a warning. It's rewarding. Uh, reckless behavior. So uh, now, now uh, the other thing I don't like what Biden did is the border is a disaster. Uh. We don't read about it. Uh, we're not covering the border like we did when Trump was president. Um, I wish there was a uh, a provision in the infrastructure bill to finish the wall. Yep. Because because it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, well, uh, I think I think but, Biden basically says it's it's gotten better. Uh, from being worse. In other words, he wants what's happening right now to happen, or he wouldn't be doing it. Uh, yes, there has to be, uh, I agree, there has to be a uh, calloused calculation behind what he is doing. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the Democrats were screaming that uh, the Trump administration was brutally, brutally treating uh, children down at the border, and uh, lo and behold, the situation, according to headlines I've seen, has gotten actually 
worst. Absolutely. Jim McTagg, again, uh, Baron, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and uh, author of a couple of great murder mysteries. Check out Follow the Leader and uh, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for allowing me to visit. Always a pleasure, Jim. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow we've got some great guests lined up, including Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, Boo Mortensen, and of course my wife Linda will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>